Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paddler's Playbook, a kayak fishing experience. Brought to you by Mariner Sales, providing the largest selection of kayaks and kayak accessories since 1975. Real sportswear, get out on the water and wear what the guides wear. Galveston Redfish Series, the largest, most affordable redfish series on the Gulf Coast. Sign up today. Pure Fishing, home to the world's most trusted fishing brands. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle with your host, Drew Turner. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner, here for another edition of the Paddler's Playbook, coming to you live from the Mariner Sales Studios here in Conroe, Texas. I'm a little sad, but I'm also a little happy. You guys will find out why as the episode goes on. But the last Galveston Redfish series was last weekend. And I'm sad. We finished in the top 10 for team of the year. We took home one check this year. We were out of the money. Like we had, I think, two fifth places and a sixth place finish and then one where we were just horrible. But we had a decent year. It wasn't great. But there's always next year. Um, hopefully I can talk Hunter into allowing motors next year for the Galveston Redfish Series. Because like I said in the last episode, I'm not sure I'm going to fish any more tournaments that do not allow motors during the summer. Because it's brutal. Like It is absolutely brutal come 10 o'clock here in Texas during the summertime. No matter where you fish, how you fish, if the wind's blowing, it's just blowing hot air. So we'll see. Hopefully we can talk Hunter into doing motors next year and I can use my NK-180 on my new canoe for the tournament next year. If you guys haven't seen already and you're in the Texas area, I do have the Big Water PDL for sale. It's up. uh, It's got a lot of mojo. It's caught a lot of redfish out of the thing. I love it as a marsh boat. And if you haven't heard yet, you're going to hear in the commercial Jessica talk about something new from Old Town that just dropped actually today at ICAST. That's going to be fun. But on this episode, guys, I'm going to have my man, Paul Roberts. He's finally going to be on a podcast. Like, he hasn't been on his podcast. He wasn't on mine when I was supposed to have him. I finally corralled the Jabberhammer himself. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we absolutely hate about kayak fishing tournaments, what we love about kayak fishing tournaments, And also, you guys are going to hear how I envy people who do not fish in kayak tournaments. So, stay tuned. Listen. Jess, what's going on with all of our sponsors? Hey, bro staff. I have exciting news for you. Old Town and Mariner Sales are bringing you the all-new Old Town Sportsman Big Water ECBL. 132, which will begin shipping January of 2024, but they are available for pre-sale right now at Mariner's Sale. You must go into store to place your order. Have you been waiting for that kayak to do it all? Are you a kayaker who enjoys the option to choose pedal, pedal, or motor based on what the conditions are in the moment without lugging several kayaks or all kinds of attachments? Big Water EPDL has it all at your fingertips in one sleek efficient design. Kayaking has never been so versatile. 
get on the cutting edge of kayak design and get into the Big Water EPDL at Mariner Sales today. And while we're walking the cutting edge of fishing and blazing trails, do it wearing the most cutting edge fishing apparel out there. That's right, if you've been here, you already know. Real Sportswear offers what's new in the fishing apparel game, offering protection from the elements while cooling and looking cool. Log on to realsportswear.com today because anything less is just ordinary. Long, smooth, is achieved by increasing the distance between the spool and the line guide and increasing the spool diameter. Did you know that? Well, Abu Garcia did. And they used that knowledge with the fifth generation Revo Low Profile Bait Cast Reel. From the ergonomics to the body design, every detail of the Revo Low Profile has been meticulously thought through to be the difference maker when you need it most. That's it for me, bro staff. I'm Saltside Jess, and as always, I will see you on the salt side. Thank you so much, Jess. I'm a little bit sad. It was the last Galveston Redfish Series of the year. You guys heard my recap in the intro talking about how we how we did. Um, it's, it's a little bittersweet at the end of a tournament season because you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about your tournament partners. Hopefully you learned a little bit about fishing. And you learn a little bit about struggle. Like, I, I, I struggled a little bit. Me and my brother struggled a little bit. I wish he was on here right now because he, he this last tournament, he really struggled. Like, at one point, I just looked at him and I was like, bro, you suck at fishing today. Like, you suck. <laughs> and he was like, yep, I, I really do suck at fishing today. But, you know, speaking of sucking at fishing, let's let's get my, my partner on for this episode. His, his name says Skinny Drew right here if you guys don't know my man paul from the bass and brews is joining us today paul how you doing i, I gotta throw some some clapping and some yays up in there for for you jabbing at me right off the bat about sucking at fishing this is just what? this is just the same way you and Alex started that podcast off by talking shit about me and, and you said i didn't even say anything bad but you said you know what? For this podcast, I got the best one on tonight. And yeah, so for I that get podcast. Oh well, no, for, that's, for that no. one. Yeah, that that but, one. But for this one, I think I have the better one because Alex doesn't fish tournaments, so he can't talk about anything like you that. Can't, you can't look. I don't know if you've ever played tennis or ping pong, but you can't play both sides of the table, Hoss. You, yeah, you, you got to choose. No, you can. You can. Well, no, look, but, but, first but, of all, go no, ahead. You, you, you're too short to run around and play both sides of the ping pong table, and you'd be out of breath after, like, the second round. All right, so you're already setting the tone here. <laughs> so before before we get started, like, this is really, really going to set the tone because you, you mentioned it that me and Alex were, were talking bad about you and everything else. But what you didn't mention as you sounded like a damn heathen in the first 45 seconds on the Bass and Brews podcast after Alex was on there, cussing me, 
cussing Alex, cussing the show. You know, you, you just sounded like an all-out heathen. And then, after I helped you get on with one of the greatest companies in fishing, with Pure Fishing, <laughs> congratulations on that. Having you on the show, I demand an apology, Mr. Crusher. I demand an apology before we go any further on this show. Look, no shout-out is a bad shout-out. It's like no publicity. no publicity is bad publicity. That's right. Look, okay. if, you, if you running around Conroe butt-necking and get, you, and get yourself on the news and you're like, Paddler's Playbook, Paddler's Playbook. You know what? The only thing people are going to remember out of that is Paddler's Playbook. And that guy was necking. They're going to they're gonna tune in. You know, we got to take the Hollywood uh, because we're all famous now. We're podcast famous in our own little right. You got to take that and run with it. So, you know, I was hyping up the Paddler's Playbook with my buddy Alex being on that episode. The first time he got to be on that, and I've been on it a few times. Mm-hmm. So I was just giving y'all a shout out. I was making people intrigued and interested in going and checking that episode out. And I will say this. I told Al, I texted Alex this halfway through that episode while I was listening to it. I was like, damn, man, you and Drew might need to do something together because y'all, y'all, y'all work pretty damn good together, man. Y'all did a good ass job on that episode. We, we clicked me and Alex, like whenever I listened to the show, when I was first listening to the show, I talked to you more than Alex and I, I didn't think Alex liked me for a while. And then like talking more, like I, I, I kind of like Alex. Like, I'm sorry, but I I, I may like Alex more than you. And, well, and, makes... and the reason I say that is because I didn't even get an apology just now. I didn't get it. I didn't even get a, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Or I'm sorry that may have made you feel a certain way. Like, I didn't even get a fake apology hey, or a half-ass apology. Um, not skinny, Drew. I apologize for anything that might have hurt your feelings during our episode of Bass and Brews recounting your episode on Paddler's Playbook with Swamp Rat Fishing. Go fuck yourself. I still love you. And it makes sense that you like Alex more because he likes the technical side of this stuff a lot more than I do. That's true. And, and so, you know, y'all y'all probably have a lot of conversations based around this. I'm pure content. I'm purely here to be super handsome as I am and to say to say off the wall shit that people go what what did he that i want people to have to hit that rewind 15 second button to say did he really say that well all i have to say is uh, a friend of mine that you gave a man to hug to told me your beard smelled like old bologna and parmesan cheese so that that you know what and <laughs> that is that's good though because if if i have to ever smell like anything it'd be bologna Old baloney. Old baloney. That's fine. Man, look, old baloney, new baloney. Baloney smells and tastes delicious. So everybody knows this is this is where I transition oh, into the crap. actual episode. I'm sorry, I said the F word already. You already did. Like and now I'm gonna have to leave it in there because I'm not editing because <laughs> we're recording this on a Monday and it's gonna go out tonight. <laughs> so I procrastinated on this. But everybody knows that I've been fishing the Galveston Redfish series, and me and you are going to, you know, like I said earlier, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the ups and downs of tournament fishing, some things we like, some things we learned, you know, all, all kinds of different stuff. For, for people that 
are thinking about getting into tournaments, this is either going to make you want to get in there more or it's going to say, well, maybe I should just do fun fishing because there's nothing there's nothing wrong with fun fishing. But I've been fishing GRS this year. You've been doing some tournaments as well. What tournament trails have you been fishing? Or I know you've been interviewing people for the Queen City stuff, but what? which ones are you actually fishing this year? I'm lucky down here in North Carolina. Where I'm at in the Raleigh area, we have two local clubs. You know, I would say on average, both of them are around 50 anglers a tournament here in, the, in this area out of the two. A little bit higher in the spring, you know, dives off during the, the summer. Might pick up a little bit during the fall when, when weather's a little bit nicer and not as hot. So I'm lucky that I get to fish the CKA, Carolina Kayak Anglers, and the CCKF, the Central Carolina Kayak Anglers. So I fish both of those. And every now and again, Queen City over the last couple of years has made it our way. They're based out of Charlotte primarily. So they fish at Charlotte, Norman, Wiley area. They go down to Santee. They, the Queen City, they focus, they're, they're the Carolina, quote unquote, Carolinas. So they fish North Carolina and South Carolina, even into Hartwell, which is, you know, Georgia, South Carolina. So I, I fished those three, but my primary trails that I fish are CKA and CCKF. And then the last two years, Hobie has been at Santee. So I've, I've rolled down there the last couple of years and fished the Hobie. And that was more than just going down, fish, getting a fish Santee. But a lot of that for me was to go down to meet a lot of people that I've met through the podcast land and folks that I've made friends with through social media and podcasting more than anything it was to go out and hang out with those guys and talk to them and meet them in person so to answer your question my two primary trails are the two here in the raleigh greensboro area cckf cka uh the, the occasional queen city when it makes it over this way and that i'm not even going to count the the hobie because it's just that one so yeah so how many how many tournaments have you fished over the last two years Oh man, I can't. Ugh. I mean, is it that many where where you can't even it, count? I would, I would say. Most our tournament trails are like eight months mm. of regular season tournaments. They start in February, March. Is that one a go, month for each trail? Yes, one a month. Um, I don't fish all of CKA because they fish some some lakes that aren't close. But I I would say on average, if you had to take from February to let's say. October or September, because October gets into TOCs. I fish one and a half a month. Okay. So you're looking at like 18, 18 a year? Yeah, somewhere around there probably. And that has just been over the past two years, though. Were you real heavy before that into the tournament scene, or was it um, just the spot one here or there? Yeah, I've, I've told this story on this podcast before briefly. <clears throat> one, I think the first time I was on, I I didn't get into kayak fishing until December 2020. Mm -hmm. And I had a, a old shitty-ass kayak then. <laughs> and it was February of 2021 where I started doing tournaments and fishing for real. So I would say we're on year three for me right now. Year uh, three, okay. Fishing. Yeah. All right, so 
what is one takeaway that from, you know, the last two or three years that if someone is just starting to get into kayak fishing, what is like something, some great advice or something you love about it or, you know, just one, one big takeaway for you? You, regardless of how well you fish in a boat, in boat tournaments, or in your kayak, just fiddle farting around, fun fishing, the majority of us are going to really suck when we start tournament fishing, regardless of the past you have in tournament fishing. Kayak fishing is a whole different ball game than being in a boat. You can't run, you can't have, you know, five or six spots that you run spot to spot. You, you can't do that. And that was, that was my mentality coming into it was, you know, you, you had a bunch, you had spots, you fish spots instead of areas. When you get into kayak fishing, you really have to understand how to exploit an area or two. And if the fish aren't biting, you better have your shit dialed in enough that you can, you can go to a place and grind it out if they're not working. Because in the kayak, if you have a motor or not, you you are stuck to an area on the lake and i would say you know in general that area is two miles yeah two three miles tops. yeah generally speaking two miles because if you start run, trying to run and i've i've fished tournaments where i've and, it, and it, again you know try not to get in the weeds of it but sure you can you can go 13 15 miles and i've had quite a few tournaments where i've put in 13 15 16 miles those are typically those early year tournaments where you're you're beating the bank, right? You you don't have many offshore fish. You're not hitting the spot with schoolies. You know you're having to grind out five fish and cover a lot of water. But to answer your question, if you're if you're a running gun kind of guy in a kayak, you you might struggle a little bit in the beginning. Versus those people that can sit out there and grind out five fish over eight hours in a spot or two. And I have learned that. That's been one thing, especially this year I've done, is knowing that I just can't run all over the damn place. But for the new people coming in and starting into kayak fishing in a tournament setting, you have to go out there with the mindset that regardless of the lake, the body of water, the weather, you have to go out there with the mindset that you're going to whoop somebody's ass. You want to win. But <laughs> the chances are slim. And you even look at it, if you start to pay attention, you know, I don't do much with y'all side of it on the salt like, side. For you, it's one in 50. <laughs> you got a one in 50 chance or a one in a hundred chance or yeah. one in a hundred fifty chance. Yeah, and you know, some of us some of us don't get to practice fish. You know, I mean, um, I practice fish at the, the lakes close to me, Sharon Harris and Jordan. I practice I'm at those lakes a good bit. All the other lakes we fish, the only time I ever go to them is for a tournament. Yeah. And so, you know, you there are people, there are guys that fish in our local trails who just inherently can catch fish anywhere regardless if they practiced or not. In general, and again, when I say this, y'all, 
fishing is a generalization because you can have somebody that fishes CKA the week before and CCKF the week after, and they can finish first in CKA and come out and finish in the bottom third in the CCKF, right? That's just fishing. But it, it is, it's a hard thing to, to, to be quantitative about because shit changes. Yep. I mean, you know, it's either own them or you're not. And they can change hour by hour, you know, especially in the bass world. I don't know about the redfish world, but the bass world. Yeah. I mean, that bike can be for the first two hours in the morning. There are a lot of, there are a lot of, I would be willing to bet the majority of our tournaments, the majority of them are one in the first two hours of that tournament. People are catching good, big limits early on. Now they might upgrade later. There might be somebody that's got an offshore spot later in the year, like now, where they get on some schoolies and they pull them out. But a majority of tournaments for us in the bass fishing world, you know, are one early. And it's just the way that sets up. We we get that early morning bite, and then you're off the water by like two or three or four, depending on the time. And, you know, that bite window, the later in the day you get, shuts down. And a lot of times the good evening bike windows after the tournament's up. Yeah, for us, it's it's similar. I mean, a good morning bite for redfish, especially in the summer, is is pretty key. But with with ours, you have the tidal shifts, um, the when the wind shifts. Like there's a, there's a lot of different variables that could come in. I mean, the bike could be on at ten o'clock because that's when the the water's just draining. It's just mm. coming out of the marsh. Or it could be on at 11 o'clock or mm. 1 o'clock because that's when the water is actually moving and the fish are up feeding. But right now, the early morning, like, you've got to be out there early morning or the water's freaking boiling later on in the <laughs> afternoon. <clears throat> at GRS this weekend, our bite stopped about 10, 10.30. That was the last time we were really seeing fish. And that was actually a little later than I thought it was going to be. Um you guys heard me talk about it in the open a little bit. I, I told you that there was something that happened at GRS that I wanted to <clears throat> talk about on the episode, but one of the big things, like one of my big takeaways from this year and last year is if you are in a live weigh-in tournament with different kind of side pots and everything like that, show up for weigh-ins even if you have one fish. Like, even if you don't have two redfish, even if you just have one, sign up for the side pots, sign up for everything that you can sign up for, and show up to the weigh-ins because you could be taking home some money. Because I got a check right here behind me, uh, a big, big check from there for third place side pot. You know how many, and this was four spots. Paul, you know how many spots were on the redfish that we brought in? Mm-mm. Two. You know how many spots are on every single redfish? Mm-mm. Two. Like <laughs> that's it. The, there was people. There wasn't enough people who signed up for the side pots that weighed in in front of us, and everything happens with what time you signed in. So the winner of that one um, had five, and then second place had three, and then we just weighed in a fish that had two spots, and we took home a big check and gas money. All because we just showed up to the weigh-ins, we brought in our fish. And they also do a, a really cool thing where they have, if you bring in the a 
even weight at like one pound, two pounds, three pounds, four pounds, like 0.00, the first person who weighs in an even weight wins $500. Our fish were 9.02. Like we were two hundredths or tenths of a um, ounce away from winning. And I, I, I'm going to blame this on my brother because he dropped one of the fish in the grass, and I think it had a rock, and it had grass on it before we took it up to the weigh-ins. So we would have had 9.00, and we would have taken home another $500 if if it would have weighed. So show up to the weigh-ins. Bring your fish in any time that you can. Participate in the side pots because even we knew we weren't going to win with nine pounds. Like, we were like, we are not going to win this tournament with nine pounds. But it still made a little bit of anticipation because we were like, well, maybe we'll win that $500. Like, maybe this is close to an even weight. Or, you know, they have an average Joe as well. So whatever the average weight is, you win $500 if you are the closest to the average weight of the fish that are weighed in. So we were still had our hopes were still up that hey man we could take home we can take home 500 bucks 600 bucks like we can take home a little spending cash just by showing up to the weigh-ins and catching two fish so well, always that, do that. That, that that's a great piece of advice for excuse me somebody getting into it mine mine was pretty shitty yours was awesome because i will reiterate that if you follow the kayak bass fishing there are numerous folks who have won thousand dollar pots ten ten thousand dollar pots in the last 30 minutes of a tournament and i have seen i have been a part of you know if if there's a pot to put in big fish queen city runs this elite side pot it's expensive it's 75 extra dollars to put into it but last year i put into that elite side pot and ended up winning it and i finished 15th in the tournament and won the elite side pot and and won money after you add in everything you know I put in I won a little bit of money there you go and we hell we had a guy this year he ended up winning the tournament and big fish on you know in the last 15 minutes he saw a fish on side scan threw a crankbait out there reeled in a 22 incher old Dave Hart he's he's been on Bass and Brews ended up that put him in first place and at winning big fish. I mean, so fish to the end. Now I understand some days, especially now in Texas, North Carolina is hotter than shit. Like you're out there and you got a headache, you're in the sun, you're tired, you woe out, but you never know when you might hook into something that gets you that big fish pot. I mean, you know, fish to the end. And I, I've, I've gotten out, I've gotten off the water a little early a few times, but also I also know that I I just wasn't on them. I wasn't any I wasn't in the right place. Shit wasn't going right. Like, but in general, yeah, fish fish the tournament. I mean, you never know when you're going to hook into something that's going to bring you. That's why we're fishing tournaments, right? Is to win some damn money. Mm-hmm. Look, if you want to go fun fish, save your thirty five hundred dollars, whatever the entry fee is, and just go fun fish. Just have a good time. But if you're in a tournament, you're out there to win money. I would hope. I mean, the com- the com- competitor side of us, competitor. Well, that was going to be my next thing that you, that you were just talking about. Like, it's hard, though, 
and this is just kind of a cautionary tale for for guys out there that enjoy um, kayak fishing and enjoy fun fishing, but you do have a competitive side and you just haven't got into the tournament side of it, be freaking careful. That uh, Be careful because it can be addicting. It can be your competitive juices will freaking have you studying maps for, you know, hours on end before the tournament. You know, you'll have everything planned out, and then you'll get there, and your whole plan will go to shit, and you'll be <laughs> contemplating putting your stuff in the front yard and lighting it all on fire because hey. you've put so much into doing that tournament because you're that competitive that when st- something goes wrong, like, you just – you want to – you want to have a Viking funeral for all your rods and just put it out on the lake and shoot it with a flame and arrow. More often than not, I get to the ramp after I turn it. I'm like, all my shit's for sale. Garage sale, back of my truck right now. Yeah. but well, and, and I talked about it on y'all show, and I was trying to tell Alex, like, tournaments can ruin you. Like, it can ruin your fishing experience if you have – the personality where I need to win and I have to be the best at what I'm doing. Yeah, you're pointing to yourself and I'm 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 the same way. So I I didn't fish tournaments like hardcore until the last two years. You know, fishing these GRSs, fishing Saltwater Survivor series, like it really, really got my competitive juices flowing where I'm texting my brother. I'm like, we're winning team of the year this year. We're winning team of the year. Like we're going to win some of these tournaments. Da, 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 da. I'm doing map study. I'm marking everywhere. I caught a fish and what the tide was. And like I Uber, Uber went into it. And then by the end of this tournament today, or, you know, this weekend, I was just like, golly, I put a lot of time and energy into that. Like I, I put so much energy and to being competitive, is this really healthy for me? Like, is this a healthy <laughs> thing that I should be doing right now? I go into every tournament with the mindset that I'm going to win. Like, that you is have my to. goal. You because, have to. Because if I win, I win the tournament, I win money, I'm getting the, the points to get the TOC. You know, that's the other thing about it, too. If you have a tournament of champions, some kind of championship tournament that you have to qualify for, if you win the tournaments, you get into the TOC. Now, what I learned about halfway through last year and into this year is that you don't have to win every tournament. And you have to be aware enough to understand that you're not you're not on the fish. You're not on winning fish. But can you go out there and catch a good five fish or four fish or three fish limit, however, whatever the limit is for your tournament? At some point, can you change your mindset to go out there and catch a few fish that at least you get those points so you can be in whatever top whatever to get into that TOC? Because in the end, you know, that's just another opportunity to whoop somebody's ass and to win some money. And so I, it took me a while to figure that out, and, and I still do it. I fish the way I fish, and there's not a lot that's going to change that. Like, if I feel like this is where the fish are supposed to be and that's how they're supposed to be biting, I'm going to run around and, and try to find those fish. But at some point, you know, if some point you have to come to the realization that unless you know your fish are going to bite between one and two when the wind blows, and I've been there before, 
And if the wind don't blow, you're like, shit, at least let me go catch five and maybe get in the top 10 and get them points and, and get, try to make sure I'm qualifying for the TOC because I suck this year and I don't think I'll win any <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> well, and, and talking about that and you talking about your competitiveness, I think that comes a lot from playing sports when, when we were younger, um, mainly because if you really are going to be an athlete and you really are going to have that drive and you are a true, true competitor, you always think, or you have to think that you are better than the other team or you are better than the person you are going against, whether that's, I am a better hitter than you are a pitcher. Or I am a better quarterback than you are a defensive back. I'm a better receiver than you are a cornerback. You know, I'm a better point guard than you are a defender. You always have to have that mentality if you are going to be successful in any sport. You have to think you're better than the person across from you if if you don't think that you're better than the person across from you, you've already lost. You've already lost whatever whatever you're going to do, whether it's a basketball game, whether it's blocking, whether it's if you think the pitcher is a better pitcher than you are a hitter, you have already lost against that person by not having the mindset that you are a better athlete than they are at that point in time. And I think that's what's hard for a lot of fishermen who played sports prior, they have to think that they're going to win that tournament and they are a better fisherman than the field out there. And then when it doesn't happen, because only one person's winning out of the 50 or 100 or whoever, there's only one person that's going to win. They have a hard time dealing with their competitive spirit because they think that they're the best. But you have to think like that. Like you have to think that you are better in order just to have that competitive fire. And that's probably a curse for us fishermen who used to be athletes, but it's also a, a nice driving force for fishermen who used to be athletes when it comes to doing these tournaments. Like, you think you're the best. And it's not because you're cocky. It's just because you have to. It's confidence. It's, yeah, you have to have that confidence. You have to be confidently cocky. I'll say this, too. If anybody is watching this, Drew and I are talking about being former athletes and contrary to how we look now, we were athletes back in the day before, you know, probably the age of 32 is when the old men, the baldness for Drew, the fatness for me started to sit in the other point or the point, a point that I drew from what you just said too, was a lot of people, you hear a lot of people say tournament fishing is not for me, or they'll say tournament fishing is not for everybody. And I disagree with that. Tournament fishing is for everybody because you never know when you might take your ass out there with your little Cinco and, and get in the money or win a tournament. You never know. But it is still a good time. There's a lot. I love the camaraderie about it. You know, you get out there, you, you put your kayaks in, you're sitting around at a ramp that's got two or three people or maybe you're at a lake that there's only got a couple ramps. You're sitting around 20 or 30 or the whole field. You're sitting out there talking, you're meeting other people, you go into the weigh-in, it's the same thing. You know, I'll tell you, I have learned so much 
at the weigh-ins, talking to people that I know, buddies of mine, talking to people that I just met there, talking about how they called them, what they did. And a majority of people are pretty open about what they did and how they called them after a tournament. Because even if we're going to that same lake again, it's going to be two, three, four months later. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about, about the tournaments. It's and the weigh-ins and talking to people. It, it's just some advice and, you know. It's not awkward to walk up to a stranger at a tournament and say, how'd you guys do today? Like, what air, what type of cover and stuff were you fishing? Mm -hmm. That's not awkward. But if you walk up to somebody at Academy and just be like, hey, man, how'd y'all do today? Or <laughs> you walk up to somebody at a fishing show and just start asking them questions, like they may kind of give you the side eye and be like, what the, what is this weirdo just walking up to me and talking to me, you know, just out of nowhere about stuff. But if you do it at a tournament, it's perfectly acceptable for just a stranger to walk up to another stranger mm -hmm. and start talking about how their day was. And look, don't, don't go up and ask them where they caught them. It's not about where they caught them. It's how did you catch them? What we, I, what I always ask is like, what were you doing? Where were you? What were you looking for the fish doing? You know, were they, were they deep? Were they shallow? Like, I don't, I don't care about the spot. The information that I like to gather was beneficial to me is the mindset that they had when they were catching the fish, what were they doing? What were they looking for? What were they thinking? And you'll hear, and what you'll end up hearing is there was a lot of gut instinct. You know, I just, I need to make a change. And if you listen to, you know, and again, guys, I'm not in the saltwater world. And the only saltwater podcast I listen to is Paddler's Playbook. But if you are kayak fishing in general, and you listen to a lot of these tournament recaps, you'll hear the guys a lot of times say, I didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't like where I was. It didn't feel right. Well, those feelings that we have as anglers, that is, that's something that comes as you fish more. Yeah. When you start to put together the pieces of the puzzle, the weather, the temperature, the wind, all that stuff comes into play, not feeling right. I didn't like what I was seeing. Like the people who make those adjustments <clears throat> and are successful at them, they have a lot of time on the water. And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to get out of people. I don't care where you called them. I don't, I don't need the spot. I want to know what their mindset was to why did they move? Why? I move a lot. I cover a shitload of water. Why did somebody stay in this spot for six hours and fish at one spot and they finish first, second, third, whatever in the money? Like what made them sit there bored as hell out of their mind, you know, dead stick in a drop shot. And to the point that they knew those fish were going to bite. That's the kind of stuff to me that you get, especially at weigh-ins, that you can start to put those little puzzles together, and you can you can be like shit. I need to. I you you start to build. I know the fish are supposed to be here, and I'm gonna. They're either gonna be here and I'm gonna catch them, or they're not. But I know they should be here at some point. Maybe they're two. They're two hours after the tournament. But if you're confident in the area that they're supposed to be in because of all the knowledge and the little toolboxes you put together, that like that's the kind of shit that you can start to really build on at the end of tournaments talking to people is that mindset and what they did and how they did it or a new technique. You know, if you go 
talk to 10 people at a tournament and they all caught them on a jerk bait and you were out there throwing a crankbait, you're like, shit, what was the weather like? What time of year was it? Where were the fish? Where were they catching them? What did it look like? And so next year, that shit, over time, that stuff starts to pop up in your head. It's just like anything else. It's routine. Fishing is so routine-oriented. You know, It's just not routine from fishing trip to fishing trip. It's from season to season. You start putting all this knowledge together, shit will start clicking for you. And I'm I'm gonna go back a little bit because I disagree with you that tournament fishing is for everybody. I think that everybody can fish tournaments and enjoy a tournament, but the grind of fishing a full tournament series, um, or fishing multiple tournaments a year or multiple different series a year, I don't think that's for everybody because some people aren't like me and you, Paul. Like, they don't have that competitive juice going. And sometimes I envy those people. Like, the people that can just chill at a little league game and just barely, barely, you know, cheer for anybody. Like, they don't get excited and they're not mad at a bad call. Like, I'm not saying, like, scream and cuss the umpire out. But you could be <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, oh, that was that was not a great call. Like, I, I sometimes envy those people because I'm not like that at all. Like, if I go to Dave and Buster's, I'm trying to beat the Papa Shot score that's on there. Like, I'm trying to get the high score and everything. If we're playing Bugs in the Kitchen or we're playing freaking Shoots and Ladders, I'm trying to beat those kids to death. Like, I'm trying to win every single thing that I can. And I really envy the people who can just go and just – enjoy fishing have fun fish a tournament oh if i win i win if i lose i lose like i i envy those folks and if they don't want to fish tournaments that's that's cool they don't have to like i wish i was more like you a lot of the time but i'm just not wired like that man and and i wish i could be because jess is like that jess isn't very competitive at all with with anything like playing games like she could care less fishing she just wants to go out and paddle and catch a fish here and there she has no interest in doing any tournaments or anything and I wish I could be more like that I think she kind of evens me out except when we like go to Dave and Buster's and I'm trying to beat <laughs> everybody in skee-ball like I, I just try to try to do it all but I, I envy people like that and that's something that I, I don't want to say it's ruined me as a fisherman but it's something that has affected my fishing. Like, I'm always thinking about pre-fishing. Um, oh, this would be a good tournament spot. That could be a tournament spot. It's hard for me to pull the reins back, go fishing with three or four other guys, and just whew, just take a step back and, and not have those competitive juices where I've got to catch the biggest fish out of all these people. All right. We all need those people to enter tournaments who just don't give a shit. They're just entering a tournament to enter it. That's how we get a little bit bigger. That's how you get the pot odds. up. Yeah, there we people go. that just dip their toe in it. Yeah, like if we, we always only need yeah. people that do that. And and in the summer times, at least for us around here, you start to see the people who are just out there casually wanting to fun fish on a tournament day versus the one that want to do it because the numbers tend to drop down in the heat of the summer in the south. Mm-hmm. On the other side. You know, I disagree with you, but 
I'll say that we're in agreement on this. Tournament fishing is not for everybody who goes and fishes 18, 30, 40 tournaments a year. But if you have a local trail that fishes seven, eight tournaments, that that type of trail for you is probably something that you want to go out and do every time. That's that's what I'm talking about. It's not traveling. And it's I know with, lot, with you, though, you man. have to travel. It's eight just tournaments once a, a month. year. That's a lot. It's just once a month. It's I'm once doing, a month. You're I just booked. got done doing four tournaments in, in the last four months, and I'm like, man, I, I'm ready to not do but one. Look, you think about it, man. Unless the weather weather is absolutely shitty, you're or probably 117 degrees. Right. Unless the weather is absolutely miserable, you're probably going to go out there and fish that weekend anyway. So if you're going to go fish one or two weekends out of the year, make one of them your local tournament where you go out there and you fish six, seven, eight tournaments a year. And let's say you win one of them and pull in six, seven hundred dollars. Like, you know, it, to me, tournament fishing is for everyone. I'm not saying go travel and fish Hobie and bass and all these other ones and travel across the country. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is your local trail lakes, at least for us here, we're lucky. We, we can, I can fish my two tournament trails and the farthest lake for me is like two hours. You know, you do have some people in this country that they have to go travel two hours to fish damn near every tournament. That's different. You know, again, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But go fish the tournaments. You're going to have a good time. You're going to learn something. You might win. But tournament fishing is for everybody, especially if you're going to be out there fishing anyway. Throw your little $35, $65, whatever it is, put in for the side pot for big fish or little fish, and go out there and have a good time. Anybody can do that. Now, we talk about Alex. Alex doesn't tournament fish. I don't know what kind of tournament scene he has out there, but he does not turn a fish. He gives, he has no cares to go tournament fish. I think it's because he's scared. Alex is scared because he doesn't think he can compete. He can catch fish. So I would tell you, if y'all go listen to our podcast at all, Alex, when we talk about tournament fishing, doesn't give a shit. He doesn't like it. He doesn't understand mm -hmm. it. Doesn't have a care in the world for it at all. I think a lot of it is because he's competitive. He just, he, I don't think he has, he doesn't have the confidence to think that he can go out there and fish good. Do you think he's really that competitive though? Cause, cause from listening to y'all show and I hate to keep bringing this back to sports and stuff, but when he was younger, he was like running around skateboarding at the mall. Like he wasn't, really into sports into winning like didn't do anything in high school college as far as that like i think it really because the the guys that i know that are really competitive with with fishing down here they were football players they were baseball players they were basketball players like and maybe that's just the people that i'm more like I gravitate more to because we watch, still watch sports and talk about sports, sports podcasts with my son. Like maybe that's just I gravitate more towards those type of people and talk to them. But I really think it it, it goes back and it boils down to: Did you grow up in a competitive environment? Whether it was, I mean, it could be gymnastics. Like there's so much stuff that you can compete against, or were you just a chill kid that 
I mean, even band has competitions. Like, were you just a chill kid that may have skateboarded and hung out at the mall, and now you have no need to go out and prove that you're better than anybody else? All right, look at this. There are a bunch of people who didn't play sports, who fish, who are competitive as, as, as hell at fishing. They, they found some type of competition. They found something deep inside of them that made them want to be competitive at fishing, regardless if they played a sport or not. We need to do a I poll. Fish, I'm going to throw I, something up. You on should. Like, I like, fish with a couple people who did not play sports, and they go out there to fish, and, like, that's their shit. They are competitive as, as hell at that. With that, I will say this. When it comes to fishing and being competitive at fishing, sure, the folks that grew up playing sports or being competitive in some, some aspect of their life, Sure, they have a little different something. But with fishing, if you're confident in your ability to fish, regardless of your background, you are confident in your ability. If you're the one that goes to the ramp at the end of the day on a fun day of fishing or practice fishing, and you're talking to the folks about, oh, man, how'd you do? And I'm like, man, I didn't catch shit. I only caught two. And this other guy's like, man, I caught four or five, but they were small. And you're like, Shit, I, I put up a damn 100 inches, you know, 20 pounds. You're right then and there. There's there's some something building inside of you going, I'll whoop those motherfuckers' ass. Uh-huh. You're more confident. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, so know. you don't, the background of being in ath athletics, sure, that there's a drive there that follows you throughout life. But people who never played sports or never did anything competitive, per se, they, if they are confident in their ability to fish and catch fish and they catch fish when they're just out there farting around, dude, those guys are going to come out in a tournament. They're going to be competitive. I don't think it, I don't think you have to have been a previous athlete what? or <laughs> pretend athlete to go out there and be competitive about it. I, I would say that the, it comes down to your, to your confidence, confidence, confident ability. I, I made that one whole word. I'll spell it later. And and I'm not saying ability. There we go. I'm not saying it's the only factor, but I think it's a big contributing factor. Like I'm gonna put a poll up on the Redfish Network. You guys let me know if you fish tournaments and if you played sports growing up. And I'm gonna talk to Jeff uh over at Kayasback Kayas Bass Nation and Hold see on. if he'll, <laughs> Yeah. And I'm gonna see if he'll put something up because I know they have a, a large number of people who like to post and, and do those kind of polls and stuff like that. I, I'd like to see I'd like to see the answers that come from that. Because yeah, I'd be willing see to see how bet. many people yeah. I, I bet I bet it's 70 30. How much you want to bet? Yeah. You know, I don't I really don't know. I, I want to know how to put this poll together because what I want to know is how many people consider themselves competitive anglers that had a background in sports versus those who didn't okay. I, i'd like to know I mean, that I, now i, I will say know. I I, i'd be willing to bet that the ones that can say that they're competitive probably had a sports background at some point t-ball literally oh no I'm, I'm talking about it's got to be like junior high on where you were where well, you then, were on okay. a team or you you ran cross country or but, but like also, into high is, junior high and high school Oh, look, man, you got to put that in perspective, though. I mean, I played, I played at a one A high school, 
in football, the most we ever had on my football team was 18 people. You know how many people are on a field at one time on offense and defense, respectively? How many? 11. 11. I had the most I ever played with was 18. That means we had seven <laughs> mother fudgers who did not start. And out of those who didn't start, there were probably only a couple that came in to relieve the other 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, they most of these guys were out there for whatever reason. The daddy said they had to go play sports. You know, that was their escape from going home early. I don't know, but they like, look, not everybody that played a sport was actually there to play. They were for some, there for some of the reason to practice. Their friends guilted them into it. Maybe. Hey, look, where I grew up, we Maybe had they didn't have to play. They didn't have to get a job if they if they played no, if they played no. football. They didn't have to go work in the work right. and throw hay all yeah. day. Yes. Mm-hmm. People play sports because they ass ain't have to go home and go thump hay or watermelons or, you know, their ride, their 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 neighbor, their brother. They played a sport because their ride home played a sport. And so they came out there and practiced and knew they weren't ever going to play. I mean, that's the, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot. Into there's different that. levels. There's different mm-hmm. levels of it. I, I mm-hmm. get it. There's different levels, but Look, I, I, just I, like I'm we need to see, just like we need these people to come in there and pay, pay that entry fee for, for those of us that want to win to make some money in sports. You have to have the practice players. You know, the guys that the only time they ever get in the game is their senior year or when it's a blowout. And they get out there and they're deer in headlights and they get their ass run over and, you know, they get to be part of the highlight film and we get to laugh at them. Like you got to have those players to be out there to help the other players practice. You need the practice squad and you, and you need the every once in a while kayak angler. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. You need, you need both of those. All right. So what, what's something else that you learned and, well, I'm never mind. I'm 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 going to tell you something that I have noticed about myself fishing these tournaments and stuff and I want to see if your answer is the same being in the bass world. So whenever I was just fun fishing and I wasn't as confident in the areas I was fishing, I was fishing a whole lot of different areas. I didn't really have a plan on how I was going to attack stuff. I took so much crap with me as far as baits, as far as tackle, as far as different color top waters and different kind of jig heads. And I took so much shit on the kayak with me. Since I have been fishing more tournaments, I am down to two Plano edge boxes, one with hard baits and the other one with terminal tackle. And then like, four tubs of different kinds of gulp. And then I have a few different um, other soft plastics that I take with me and one or two popping corks. Like I, my, my black pack has more other crap in it than it (laughs) does baits. Well, it's got binoculars and sunscreen and my water bottle and a towel and a sunglass case, extra battery beef jerky like it's got more of that crap in it than it does actual baits now that i've been fishing more tournaments and feeling more confident in catching redfish i'm actually taking less stuff with me now in the bass world are you taking 
less stuff with you now that you're doing more tournaments, feeling more confident? Are you are you still are you taking more stuff because you want to be able to change it up during the day? Or are you taking the same amount? All right, we we've kind of had this conversation. I'll take it from two different ways. If you had an opportunity to go out and practice within five days of the tournament, if you've been able to go out five days, one day, two day, three days, and you've gotten on fish, in the bass world, a lot of people are going to take out what they caught those fish on. So it, it in the bass world, to me, it depends on how much you were able to prepare to go out there to know what the fish are doing. Well, and, and I'm not just talking about day-to-day. I'm just talking right. about, like, from when you first started fishing to if you're going to go fish a tournament tomorrow. Well, all right. So, since I first started fishing tournaments in a kayak, I have acquired a bunch more shit than I had when I started. I'm also the kind of guy that I don't have a thing. I'm not a power angler. I'm not a finesse angler. I'm not offshore. I'm not shallow. Like, I. I carry, I carry everything out there to attack those fish based on what it is. So I take a lot of shit out there with me. Now, this time of year in the summer, I've got my, I've got standard shit that's on my rod and reels. Like I have it, but I also have a rod and reel with something that, Hey, they might be on this. So I'm, I'm probably nine rods. I take out everything from soft plastic worms i mean i i still take a lot of shit out i probably take i definitely take more than when i first started because i have more shit but i also feel like you know i'm again i'm using i'm using in the summertime this is this is really where i fish my best is in the summertime because i can use my technology side scan down scan to find schools to find structure and you know they might be Hell, they might be on a spoon bite. They might be on a crankbait bite. They might be on a drop shot or a shaky head. They might be in bushes. They might be schooled up offshore. So, like, when I go out this time of year, I'm taking everything that fits all the early in the morning. If we're launching at 530 and lines in at 545 or 6, I, I've got a couple topwater tied on because I'm going to fish some topwater early. I'm taking all that shit to cover all my areas of water. So I, I take just as much shit out there now, more than when I first started because I've acquired more, but also, you know, I I will move around and change shit up. Now, that's not always a good thing. Obviously, it's probably not because I don't win fucking shit. But if the fish are shallow, I got the shit to fish shallow. I can't yep. tell you how many times I've gone out there to do you know, going out there for three or four hours to fart around and fish. And I'm like, you know what? I'm only taking a swim bait and a shaky head and a jig because I need to practice my jig bite. And I get out there and they're schooled up, busting on shad. And I don't have anything to throw at them with that. But I will say this on the kayak side too. Most of my combos have multiple uses. And I know y'all don't have this shit quite in the in the redfish world, right? I mean, you're kind of doing the same thing. You take out two or three rods, you can do everything you need to do. But for me, I have, you know, with the exception of maybe three combos, maybe four, everything else I can tie, I can, I might not take out. Well, if I'm on a tournament, I'm taking every rod I got, and that's nine or ten. 
but you, I mean, you don't have to throw something different on a specialty rod all the time. I, I, I think you, you guys in the bass world have been marketed to so heavily that you think that you have to have a certain rod for drop top drop shot or you're not shit and you can't use that drop shot rod for <laughs> anything else. Like, no, that's not yeah. how it works. Like that drop shot rod is like a medium light, uh, fast or, or mod fast or something. You can use that for all kinds of different stuff. But since it says drop shot on it, you guys have been marketed to so heavily that you're like, I've got to use this but for a drop shot. Have you ever fished a drop shot? Yes. Okay. So let's say you take your one rod out there that you fish a shaky head on, that you fish a drop shot on, that you fish a micro jig on, that you fish a Texas rig on, and you're like, fuck, I bet they'll bite a drop shot. And then you got to tie a drop shot on in a kayak with the wind blowing 15 miles an hour on a Saturday in July, and there's 100 pleasure boaters out there. And you're trying to tie your leader on and then your well, hook. No, uh, look, look, this is the thing with wrong, bass but... anglers now. Look, I know what you're saying about us being marketed to. And I get it. Yes, there's a lot of that shit. But when we go out there, like, I don't want to have to take my, my shaky hair rod and, tie, and be like, damn, let me try a drop shot. And then spend 10 minutes trying tying a drop shot on to go fish it and be like, fuck. I bet they're over here in the damn, in the weeds. Let me go, let me cut this bitch off. And now let me go tie my shaky head back on. Like that's the difference is we, we can fish a lot of I different know. stuff. Y'all always fishing like ankle deep sight fishing. Like you don't, it's the, it's the ease of not having to retie shit on all the time for us. Well, I, I understand. I understand that completely, but I, I still think 10 is excessive. Like five, five rods, you can throw. Like you were just talking about throwing a micro jig and a drop shot. You can throw that on the same rod. You can throw. But, you can throw a shaky head and you can throw a Texas rig. I you agree. can throw that on the same rod. So True. you really don't have to have ten freaking rods. You can you can switch it out between between. Nobody, the two. no, nobody who ever fishes a drop shot wants to go out there and have to cut off a shaky head to drive a fucking drop shot on in the middle of the day. That shit sucks. Like, that's not how it works. That's why bass anglers tie, like, eight-foot leaders on their drop shot because if they get hung up or, you know, you catch a catfish and it ties all your shit up, and now you got to cut it off, you got to retie everything. Look, we ain't we ain't built like that, man. We we out there, shit has a specific reason. We, we are, we are the electricians of fishing because electricians have more screwdrivers, handheld screwdrivers than anybody you'll ever meet in your life. And they only use one every time they go out there. Usually it's like an 11 to one is the only thing they, they use, but you know what? What if they fucking lose one of their little 11, one bits, or what if they need a longer screwdriver? Like they carry all this shit with them just in case they need it. I can tell you wasn't in Boy Scouts. You's never prepared. So, so are the the saltwater guys? Are we just like the roofers? Like we got we got two hammers, <laughs> a bag, and some nails. <laughs> you look, <laughs> look, y'all don't even have y'all don't even have tool belts. Y'all use the little Home Depot little little <laughs> the little aprons. Your, yeah, little <laughs> Home Depot wrap around aprons. 
you know, I mean, yes, you're exactly right. Y'all are the roofers. Y'all, y'all are the you are the roofers. That's a great analogy. I've never thought of it like that. Yes. Yeah, maybe have two hammers and some nails. And that's your, why y'all be falling off your damn kayaks all the fucking time too. Cause y'all the damn roofers out there. Oh, y'all probably done, you know, smoking crack for lunch and meth for <laughs> breakfast and, you know, do a little eight ball for a snack after lunch. And from what I hear, that's at y'all's boat ramps. That, that's, <laughs> that's what like Chickamauga and stuff. That's where all that kind of stuff happens at the Look, boat ramps. You, you, you bass fished early in the season last year. You were all in on going. Oh yeah. Bass it was fishing. cool. Like I yeah. liked it in the, I found yeah. fishing five to seven foot of water. Like that was nice. Yeah. And then it got hot. And then yeah, the fish moved on fish no more. Like, fuck this shit. I'm done bass fishing. This yeah, is- they moved offshore. I don't want to stare at a screen. Like, I want to look for activity yeah. and look. What does your intro say? I am not getting up that early. Yeah, I'm not waking up that early. And that's that was something else. That's a good segue because one of the things I wanted to talk about that really, really sucks for some of us saltwater fishermen that don't live right on the coast is sometimes like the, the third GRS tournament. Lines in was at like 5.43 in the morning. It's a two and a half hour, two hour drive for me to get to any of the coastal places that I'm fishing. I have to leave my house at like 2, like one forty-five, one thirty. I got to wake up, you know, use the restroom, get dressed, everything else. I got to leave my house at 2 or 2.30. That's brutal. Like, and, and if you're in the money, like you're not getting your check until 5.00. <laughs> Even though, you know, weigh-ins is two to four. You're not getting your check until five o'clock. You're hot. You're tired. You got to pop some mm-hmm. Excedrin so you can stay awake and your sunglass headache will go away. You're sunburned. Like, that. that's one thing that, that really is not fun at all about tournament fishing sometimes is that grind that you put yourself through. It can be rewarding. Don't get me wrong, but it can also suck. Waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning whenever you're 40 years old, like, that throws you off for a whole freaking week if, if you can't catch up on Sunday. Look, it's hard It's hard to go poop at 2 o'clock in the morning, too. Like, that, you might you get watch a, what you, you eat. Look, man, you might, at 2 o'clock in the morning, you might get a little dingle hopper out, but at, like, 6 o'clock, your stomach's over there talking shit to you, and you're scared. You're scared to even stand up and pee because you think you're going to shit out your hiney. I get it. And I will say this. I'm lucky. The majority of my tournaments are less than two hours. Most are within 30 minutes. I don't have to deal with that. But then, you know, you get out to some of these guys I know in California, and it's the same thing. You know, they either have to get up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning to drive two or three hours to a tournament, or they have to go stay that night, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. And that's a, a added cost for unless talk about probabilities the probability that you're going to win money is very slim and if you do win money and now you got a hotel or airbnb and travel and all this shit you you might not be making any money even if you win any side note let me say this because you brought up sunscreen and you and alex talked about sunscreen because he got all butthurt about people using sunscreen on the water y'all wear your damn sunscreen look you see this face is it sunburnt Mm. Mm-mm. Nope, and I was out in 104-degree weather all day on Saturday because I sprayed down twice, twice mm-hmm. with sunscreen. And here's, here's a little tip. In the summertime, while it's still 
dark outside, spray yourself down with sunscreen before you start sweating. Because if you start mm-hmm. sweating to death and you get out there and you start spraying yourself down with sunscreen, you ain't going to do nothing but make spots all over your damn face. And that shit's going to get in your damn eyes and it's going to burn. You're going to be pissed mm-hmm. off. Y'all look, wear your sunscreen, wear your sunscreen. Skin cancer ain't no joke. And people who work outside and people who are on the water all the time are higher risk for skin cancer. And that shit ain't no joke. And it ain't a young person or old person. It's young, old, everywhere in between. Wear your damn sunscreen. Look, most of us, most of us are going to wear our fishing shirts with a little hoodie. All you got to do is put sunscreen on your nose and in your face. And your ears. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're wearing, you put your hood on, you don't even have to put it on your ears. If you don't have a, a grow a beard out, then all you got to put sunscreen on is your nose and under your eyes. Mm-hmm. Put that shit on your legs and your feet. Wear your sunscreen. I don't care how bad it sucks. The fish don't tell no difference. I guarantee you. I put sunscreen on, put on a drop shot rig, and gone down there and caught a fish right after. Where well, you didn't put sunscreen. on the drop shot rig. You already had the drop shot rig. I know, tied but I had to put the damn you're worm not tying on. anything I had on to put the water. worm on that bitch. I had to put the worm on there. But where you dumb sunscreen? I'm telling you, my brother-in-law is a dermatologist, and he says that the the biggest thing he sees are sunspots and melanoma. And then it's also coming from somebody who's had family members that have had severe melanoma. And that shit sucks. Wear your fucking sunscreen. I had to get off on that tangent. I'm glad you brought it up with your sunscreen. That shit's important. Don't take long. I put it on after I get my kayak loaded up. I lather it on my legs and my face. Everything else is covered. And then usually about halfway through the day, I throw some more on. I don't use the spray. And I don't use the spray because when I spray my legs in the kayak, I almost have fallen into water a few times when I stand up. My fat ass gets a slipping. I'm like a, I'm like a fucking, I'm like a porpoise standing up in a kayak that has a slip and slide for the bottom when I spray my legs. So I only use the lotion now. And you know what? I, I look like powder when I'm done, but I make sure it's on there and make sure it's on quick. I just wear pants. There, there's so much lightweight fishing pants nowadays, and you can just. Stick your whole leg in the water if you get hot and it cools you down for a while. I just, I wear pants. Hey, wear your transition pants. I mean, you know, they got some good cheap transition pants at, at Bass Pro Cabela's Academy. Wear your transition pants or pants when you need pants and shorts when you need shorts. I, and I'm not a big, like, I don't love Columbia because Real Sportswear has the best fishing apparel out there but i have some uh columbia blood and guts pants that i am not joking are probably 10 or 11 years old that i still wear i have three pair that i got from the outlet center for like 38 (laughs) dollars a piece 10 years ago and they still are going strong no holes no nothing like they're they're great i wear Seven out of seven days, I probably have my transition pants on. In the wintertime, they pants. In the summertime, they shorts. And then after a full season of fishing where I've, they've been shorts, when I put the bottoms on, the shorts are all faded from getting they're washed in color. the sun. <laughs> yeah, they're completely different colors. And my wife's like, I think you put the wrong pants on. And I was like, no, no, they're just, you know, they're just faded. But I buy the cheap shit for that main reason because usually, usually at the end of the year, I go buy me two or three more pair 
and uh, get them get them up. But I've also gotten so much so fat over the last uh, year that I've outgrown them and had to get up. So they, you know, you know how when you get pants or shorts that are too too tight, mm-hmm. and when you're out there fishing and your stomach's pressing against mm-hmm. the, the button. You get mm-hmm. that button imprint, that bitch don't go away for like two weeks. Feels like it's cutting on you. I mean, yep. both. And then, then your button pops off. You and get you a little gas and that you got to undo it. Yeah. Make sure you don't Yeah, and yourself. then your button pop, falls off and the zipper's so wore out from your fat stomach pressing against the zipper the whole time. The zipper won't stay up. So then you look like a homeless bum out there with no button and your zipper falling down, your pants going down to your ankles every time. I tell you what, boy, if I had that videotape, y'all would have a good time. Elastic and drawstring. Get you some mm-hmm. elastic mm-hmm. and drawstring ones. Ain't that yeah. sad? Like, as we get older, when we go buy stuff, we're like, oh, man, this has got buttons. Let me, <laughs> let, me get, let me get the ones with the drawstring on it. I don't, I don't uh, need hundred, these shorts. <laughs> I used to love the redhead version of the transition pants. But they just straight up pants. I've been buying the ones from Academy because they got elastic in there. So I'm like your 600 pound fishing life out there. I got to have pants with elastic because at least then, if I gain 15, 20 pounds, I know they're still going to fit at least for the next few months. Well, and this the button is, don't pop off as much. This is horrible. But you, you know, when you were a little kid and you you got and you went to go buy shoes with your parents and. You put your shoes on, and your mom would go like, see how fast you could run. And you put them on, and you hauled ass down the aisle, and you're like, yeah, these are good. I can wear these. Now, when I go try clothes on, like, I'm trying to see how stretchy they are. So I'm, like, bending down with them on. I'm like, all right, these are good. I'm sitting down, leaning over like I'm driving my truck. I'm like, all right, these these aren't digging into my gut. Ooh, these are stretchy. I can bend down and get something there. Mm-hmm. Instead of instead of doing the aisle run, like, I'm doing gymnastics in the dressing room. Make doing sure some these, squats. Yeah, some making, knee, sure, these, some making sure they're stretchy enough and they're not going to show my crack the whole time I'm using my pedal drive. Like, it, it's horrible that I've got to that point, man. You know, that happens, and, you know, if y'all ever listen to our podcast, I pick on Alex about being short because he's a midget, and I'm, I'm, I've am i gained, like, 30 pounds since I started doing the podcast, and I've gotten fat, but I'm I'm going to lose weight. I've, I've got something coming up. I can't I – don't, I don't have a plan yet, so I can't really announce it, but I am announcing that if you're listening to Bass and Brews coming up here in the future, there's going to be a weight loss journey that y'all are going to follow me on. So yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Maybe I need to join in. I need to join in that with you. I need to lose about sixty pounds. I do too, man. If I lost sixty, I wouldn't have B cups anymore. But Alex, we're before I lose that weight though, we put this out last episode that releases this coming Friday. Uh if somebody sends me a bikini, I will wear that out fishing and videotape it in a tournament and I will wear it if somebody will buy it for me. Oh, dude. Real sportswear, you're going to have a package from Real Sportswear. We're going to get you some some swimsuit. What about tights? Will you wear tights if I if I send you some fishing tights? You know, I you know, I think with tights though you can ha- you can hide the chub better than if you get me a bikini bottom. There ain't much you like my stomach is going to hang over that bikini bottom and be pretty evident. With tights I can pull it up to, you know, past my belly button up underneath my boobies and I can still look somewhat skinny because Fresh tights are gonna press everything oh, in. That's true. It's got I, that. I feel like I feel elasticity. like to, yeah. I feel like to have the full effect of my girthiness. Um, that I need a straight up bikini that I can wear. Oh, I'm sure we can make that happen. 
We can I mean, get, I, my, we can my get boob, you a bikini. Big enough to, my boobies are big enough. I've seen some women out there with boobies smaller than mine. A lot. What, what do you need? A large? I have no idea. I've never worn a bikini before, but well, I would, I would assume that I would assume that I need a medium bottom and a B cup size top. Bro, you are not a medium bottom. Mm-mm. There is no way. You ain't seen me naked. That won't even cover your butt crack, dude. You, I don't have a high, I don't have a high butt crack. I've seen a few women in medium bottoms, and you are not close to that size. Send, send me a medium bottom. I'll wear it. I'll take a picture. I'll post it on Pavler's Playbook. I'll post it in the bro staff, and uh, I'll show you. I'm going to get you one of the, the real sportswear crop top shirts that they sell for the ladies, and I'm going to send that to you. You can wear that on top of your of your bikini. <laughs> That'll be my then, cover. Then we can get some under boob. We'll get a little under oh, boob yeah. show. Some side there. boob. <laughs> so I what, do, look, I do have a lot of side boob. I can tell because when I, when I try to reach back to grab my seat belt, my side boob's fucking up with everything. <laughs> So I, I, I talked, let's get, let's get a little bit back on track. So I talked a little bit about some things that I hate about tournament fishing and the waking up early and everything. What, what's something that you like could do without whenever it comes to tournaments or anything that, that in preparation for tournaments that you just hate, like what, what's something that is just, you're like, God dang. Man, I, I'll tell you this. There's nothing I hate about tournament fishing, to be honest. The prep, you know, the prep the night before, it it, it gets me excited. Um, I don't sleep well the night before. I, I get up early anyway, so getting up early is not a problem. Like, I haven't used an alarm clock to wake up in probably 12 years now. Now, when you say you don't sleep well, how many hours of sleep are you getting? It kind of depends, you know. If I if I if I drink heavily uh, when I'm prepping, I'll get a good three or four hours of sleep. Go to bed at you know nine, ten, eleven. I'll get three or four good hours of sleep, and then I wake up with a little bit of a uh, GERD acting up, some acid reflux, and then I'm up. Because if I wake up, I'm up. Um, but man, before a tournament, I'll probably get three or four hours of sleep, and you're good to go. Good to go. I hate you. Like, I hate you so much. If I don't get six or seven hours of good sleep, oh, no. yeah, I'm freaking miserable, man. Like, I'm I, so yeah. miserable the next day. I, I'm not saying I'm – well, I'm not even miserable, man. You know, every now and again, here's a good story. So I had my buddy Michael Wiggs and me and a couple other guys stayed at a house for the Bassmaster uh, qualification, um, the Carolina qualification. And, man – you know, I drink White Claw Surge. If y'all don't know, White Claw Surge is better than real White Claw because it's got eight alcohols instead of five, and it's delicious. And so we, we you know, I brought some White Claw Surge. We stayed up to like one or two in the morning. We, I think we had to get, we got up at like four. And I tried to tell my buddy Wiggs, I was like, look, Bo, you know, slow down a little bit. This surge will sneak up on you. We drank, we drank, had a had a little liquor drink before we went to bed. That next day, it was fairly hot. He tried to keep up with me. That next day, this I have never in my entire life seen a man so miserable fishing than I did that day. That would be me. That yeah. would be me. He he was miserable. Me, on the other hand, Bo, I was out there fishing. All that all that the bubble guts, all that shit goes away once I start casting. 
I mean, I don't eat. When I go in the water, I don't eat. I don't eat. I mean, I'll eat breakfast and then have just a little snack. I don't just I don't just because I don't want to no. be grumpy after ten o'clock. I don't I don't eat before. I don't eat during. I eat when I get home. I can't do it. I I just I can't like I the take drinking, a bunch of water, not eating a couple liquid IVs, and that's it, man. And I have to make myself drink. I'll forget to drink, and I'll be pedaling down the water and start catching cramps. I'm like, fuck, I need a, <laughs> I need a liquid IV. They have the sugar-free liquid IVs now. I, I got to check those out. But they're expensive, man. They're like $34 for a well, pack of li- 14. Yeah, the liquid IV ain't something that you just drink at home either. They they are very salty electrolyte mm-hmm. replacement. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you, you, you prep with, you drink out on the water. But, like, the only time I drink liquid IV is if I'm doing something that is taking a lot out of me because they are very salty. And you know, as two fat mm-hmm. people, uh, the salt salt is is not a friend of ours. <laughs> so the liquid, I, I tell you, the um, um, Pedialyte doesn't have quite as much taste as salt. But anyway, doesn't matter. We're getting off on topic. Back to your topic about what do I hate about tournament fishing? I honestly don't hate anything, man. I love it. Like that's why I go out and fish. I don't fun fish. I don't ever just go out there to like have a good time and fart around and pedal around or paddle around and fish. You don't, don't wish do you that. could though. No, I don't, I don't like it. It does not, it's not enjoyable to me. Like I go out there for a reason. I'm going out there to practice a new technique. I'm going out there to practice for a tournament. I'm going out there to, to like work on my shit. Like I do not like to just go out there and fart around if i'm going out on the water on a kayak or a boat i better be fishing yeah I, i'm with you there I, i'm 100 percent with you there but i wish i could just sit back and enjoy it more like i really do so i go out i haven't been able to fish a bunch this year last year i was out on the water three or four days a week this year i've been out on the water i, don't, I can't remember how many times now but up until june the only time I went fishing was for tournaments. And so here's June and July. I've gotten out. July just started. But June, for, for the most part, I've gotten to go out and fish in the afternoon or morning or something like that. But I will get out there that morning and go find an online tournament and sign up for that bitch right then and just, there. Just to have just, something to do. Just to have to have something to fish for. Yeah. My whole thing is like, man, what if I come out here and get on them? I, it never happens, but if it does, you know, I, I do not like the fun. I don't want to go out there and just, I want to have something to fish for. I, I've talked about this and I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember if it was on y'all show or one of my shows. Um, but what I've had to do and what I've kind of enjoyed more is taking pictures of, of other people. Like that has taken some of the angst away from I got to catch fish, I got to be on them. Whenever I'm trying just to do fun fishing and I go out with people, like I'm always, whenever they're hooked up, I'm paddling over to them to try to get some video or get some really good pictures of them so I can send it to them. And it's not because I'm trying to create content. I actually enjoy sharing that moment with them taking a picture. 
And that's how I have found is like the only way where I can't be super uber competitive and drive myself crazy as far as trying to fun fish. Like that's, that's the only thing that's if I'm not trying to take pictures of people and everything, like I'm trying to catch the biggest fish. I'm like, all right, screw you guys. I'm going to catch the biggest fish. I'm, I'm going away from the whole group. Like I'm, I'm going to go do my own thing. But if we're in a group and there's people there, I'm, I'm, taking photos of them has been enjoyable. It hasn't ruined the experience for me. See, you, you're you're someone that I would call fun to fish with. I am not fun to fish with. I've had numerous people want to go out and fish with me. I'm like, yeah, let's go. We'll go out and fish. And then 30 minutes in, they're a mile away. Like, I, I don't Because you're wanna, moving around so much. Yeah, I don't want to be around people like, if you catch a big fish and I'm close to you, I'm going to pedal over there and I'm going to take a picture for you. But I'm keeping score. I'm like, I've caught more than you. Now i got to catch one bigger than you. Mm. Now, uh, the next I, one I you do, may not pedal over there because you're like, ah, I'm on a fish over here. I'm not I will, going hey, over if, there. If, if, you're, if you're within a soft whisper away, I will come take a picture of a big fish. That bitch better be like six pounds or more. I ain't coming over to take a picture of you with a two-pound bass. Fuck you. Take your selfie and throw that bitch back. I, I'm i not fun to fish with. I don't want to fish around other people. I don't want to hang out. You know, even when I go out with buddies on the kayak that are teaching me and helping me learn, like, I'll sit there and watch them. But I'm not right up on their stuff. I'm doing my own thing. And then at some point, I'm gone. They'll turn around, I'm gone. I'm not fun to fish with. I tell people that. You know, when you do the podcast, you have people that want to go out and fish with you. And I've told them, I'm not fun to fish with, man. We can go out there, but I'm not fun to fish with. Like, I'm not fun to be around. I'm self-deprecating. I scream and holler at myself. I cuss a lot. You know, I get dialed in. I don't want to talk. Like, I'm I'm just focused on fishing. I'm, I'm you know, I'm the grumpy old man of, of fishing, except I'm not old. I'm just grumpy. You're just grumpy. You're just grumpy. And, and I'm like that. I'm like that tournament day. Yeah, I'm like I, that 100% of the time. And sometimes I'm like that pre-fishing. But I, I'm trying to get out of everything is pre-fishing all the time. And I'm trying to get back into doing more fun fishing sometimes. Like if I, I want to go if I want to go fun fishing, I put my son on the back of the kayak. I give him two ultralight rods. I throw on a, a little one sixteenth ounce jig with a power mena and a cork. And I throw him out and we and he just sits back there. And if the cork goes in, he reels it in. That's about as fun fishing as I get. And then I take a picture of it. I, I let him name it and we throw it back in. And I'm like, you know, that's it. I mean, that's about the most fun fishing I do. But I'm up there real fishing. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're also doing 18 tournaments a year. Like there's only 26 weekends in the whole year. So I mean 52, sorry. I was about to say, well, man, you I'm are, thinking uh... of paychecks. I'm like, you only get 26 <laughs> paychecks a year. You can only spend so much money out there. Hey, you I got buddies, you know, you take somebody like Jordan Marshall, for instance. That dude fishes a tournament almost every weekend. He's fishing a tournament. 
I mean, you got some guys that are out there. Same thing in the boat world. If there's a tournament on a weekend, those guys are fishing it, and they're fishing a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nighter. I mean, I look, if I didn't have kids, I would be fishing every every tournament within two hours of where I live. If if I was single, I'd be fishing every single one of them. Well, and that's the thing too that some some people have to realize when they're looking at some of these tournament anglers that they really look up to a lot of those high level tournament anglers they're single they don't have kids like they're able to get out and and do this on a full-time basis because they don't have the same type of responsibilities that me or you have like you were just talking about earlier before we got on about gymnastics and taking your daughter to gymnastics and everything. And I was talking about coaching baseball and having to go to football practices and band practices and everything else. Our time away from our kids, like that, that really bothers us, I think. And we want to spend more time with them than we do to pursue Mm -hmm. kayak fishing glory Um, But if you really, really look at some of the top players, like a lot of them, a majority of them are single without any kids and they're able to do it. Like, so, so think about that. Hey, these local guys that you see winning are in the money, not necessarily always winning, but these local guys that are always in the money, like those guys have put it together for whatever reason, because they've been fishing tournaments forever. They're just good at fishing. But when you're in the money and the majority of tournament that you fish, and it's a small handful of them now, we're only talking about in your local clubs, probably five or less. You have to understand those guys are in the money or winning almost every tournament they're in. They're one of the few that are actually bringing home money. Like they're putting shit in the bank. And so, you know, you start bringing in twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, which is, is possible. At least in the bass world, if you fish the boat tournament side, because there's a lot more tournaments, and if you cross over into the kayak and bass boat world, if you're finishing in the money in every tournament or the majority of tournaments, these guys are winning twenty, thirty a year, thousand dollars. So that's that's a second job. And when you start bringing in that kind of damn money, shit, think about ten thousand. You go you go fish the Bassmaster Classic and win ten grand. Or you go fish a Queen City kayak fishing tournament where the minimum payout for first is $2,500. Like, you you are in the money in those tournaments half of the time. Bo, you, you're making minimum damn wage fishing. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that starts that's local at, but, tournaments. But, yeah, that's local. This ain't traveling all over the country. But, again, that is a very small, like, there's only a few people that can put shit together like that. Mm-hmm. But when you think of it from that side, those guys have kids. That's putting food on the table. That's yeah, not, yeah. like, you know, they, they're making a little bit difference. But the the below average angler like myself, you know, at the end of the year, I've, I've, I ain't won shit. Not a damn thing. I could have had won a tournament. I still ain't won nothing. I'd been better off buying $10 scratch-offs every day and probably made more money doing that than fishing. But, you know. Well, I, I mainly mention that, too, because you shouldn't be discouraged from entering into the local tournaments and stuff because you don't think that the competition is as great as it is at the Hobie tournaments or 
the Bassmaster tournaments or things like that. There's sticks in those local mm-hmm. tournaments that mm-hmm. are awesome fishermen, but they have responsibilities. They got jobs. They got kids that have to go to baseball practice. Like they have a, a, a different things that don't allow them to be on the upper, upper echelon of this person won the Bassmaster, you know, this person won the Hobie, uh, BOS. Like it, it you, you don't have to participate in tournaments at that high of a level to feel like you have really achieved something against some sticks. Cause there's some sticks out there that still work nine to five jobs and they have to go to baseball practice at seven 30 on a Saturday. If, if you, if you get really, really good at fishing, especially your home lakes, your home area, you're going to win way more money than traveling the country fishing. Like, even even in the kayak side, the guys that are fishing all these national trails, a majority of them are hopping into their local tournament trails. They're they're nighters, you know. They're hopping on a boat with a buddy fishing Wednesday nighters. And I would I would say, and this is just a guess, but I would guess that these guys that are just fishing a lot and are fishing the national trails, if they're fishing their local trails as well, in the end they're probably winning more money. Now, the pot's going to be bigger to win one of these national trails. Mm, oh, yeah. But you you start adding it up together, and, and I would say a lot of them are probably winning more money on their local trails at the end of the year than what they've won in the nationals. I would agree. I would agree with that, just looking looking at the payouts and the numbers. I mean, excluding, like, TOC winners and, and stuff like that where they're cashing huge huge checks but you've also got to be able to put in the grind to be able to cash those huge checks at the toc tournament well, yeah you're, like you know you're you're going down there for three or four days you're camping out you're staying in a hotel like you know at the end of the day you win a five thousand dollar tournament and you've got two thousand dollars you won three thousand and you go fish your local trail and a wednesday nighter and you know, another local trail the next three weeks and you win all of that, then you probably won 6,000 and you, know, you brought home five of that 6,000 instead of the the payout from the national. I mean, it's just all, it's, it's like anything else with business. It's about the ROI. You- and the less you have to travel, the less you have to pay in food and lodging, you know, that money comes back a lot more when you just wake up at five o'clock, get at the ramp at 530. Go out there, win a grand. Come on, man. That's money. I mean, that's that's hard money there. Would you, would you want to do it though? Would you, would you want to be out on the road that much, eating but whatever I'm, you're eating? I just told you, sleeping wherever you're sleeping. Like, so I I hammock, I, I hammock camp. I can't. I don't, I don't see how you do that. Dude. I can't sleep but, on my back. But, no, man. You don't have to sleep on your back. Let me tell you something. If we ever get together, I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring my hammocks. Bro, you can and bring gonna, 77 no, hammocks. I'm, I'm not sleeping you. in one. Yes, you will. And it will be the best night of sleep you've ever had camping in There's your entire no life. There's no way. 100%. I, I guarantee sleep. It. I can barely sleep in my own bed. Okay. Like. Well, yeah. Look, if my wife would let me, I would have a hammock in our fucking bedroom. That sounds like some kinky stuff that you just need to talk to your wife about. <laughs> not that kind of hammock. But yeah, if I could, if I could just go off and just travel and fish and and literally camp, if I could just camp and fish, all I would do is sleep in my hammock, cook shit on a fire, 
and fish, I'd, I'd sign up for it today, right now. I'm with you on cook stuff on the fire, but I, I had a friend over the other day, and we were just talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're going camping. Da, 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 da. It just asked his wife, like, well, are y'all going camping or glamping? And he said, oh, we're going, we're going glamping all the way. <laughs> He's like, I'm 43 years old. I'm done with sleeping on anything on the floor. Like, it's not going to be an air mattress. It's not going to no. be a pad. I am I'm sleeping on a real Drew, mattress somewhere. I'm telling you, though. I'm telling you. You you have to, if you, you get out there and get that hammock set up right, it will be the best night of sleep you have ever had in the woods. It, I'm telling you, people don't like the hammock camping because, one, they set their hammocks up wrong. Two, they don't have some of the basic stuff to help them be comfortable. But if you get it set up right, I mean, look, if it rains in a hammock, you stay 100% dry. Nothing's wet. Nothing. You you get in your tent and it pours down rain, an inch of rain, half inch of rain, there's going to be moisture in your tent. In a, in a hammock, but you're dry the whole time. You never get wet, ever. It's, it's amazing. I'm telling you, people need to, to check out the hammock camping, but you got to set your hammock up right because if you don't, it is is miserable because if you don't set it up right and if you don't understand how to lay in it, and it's not hard after you get it after somebody shows you, it will change your life when it comes to camping. I, I'm not going to be able to lay on my stomach and sleep in a hammock. You don't have to lay on your stomach. I, I sleep on my I back. I do. I have well, to lay on my stomach. And you can lay on. That's a great thing about a hammock. You can lay your fat ass on your side, your back, your stomach. I mean, if you got sleep apnea, you don't need a PAPS machine. Get a hammock. Your sleep apnea will disappear. You I, think you're a 150-pound triathlete. I can't sleep on my, on my – I can't sleep in a chair. I can't sleep It ain't on a chair. It's a hammock, Drew. Look, I'm quit aware. arguing with me. I have to be laying on my stomach to sleep. You can lay on your stomach in the hammock, and it'll be the best night of sleep you've ever had. With my head to the left. Hey, here's the other thing, too. If you've got to pee in your hammock, you don't have to get up to pee. You just roll over to the side. You whip it out. You pee off the side of your hammock. You never had to get up. No, you just get a cabin. <laughs> like I, I, just, I just spend the extra money now. Like I, I, that, that's where I am at the point with that's camping. That's what rich people say. La well, last time I went camping, I ended up in the emergency room. Like my throat was closing up from whatever wood was burning. I had to get <laughs> shots and IVs. And now I got to carry around two freaking EpiPens. Like that is the last time I went camping. And I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm done. I'm done with camping. We will go glamping. The kids can set up the the tent in the backyard if they want to go camping. But I'm, right. I'm going to so get a shelter. So what are you what are you doing for y'all's bro staff camping trip? Are you doing that this year? Man, I may just like hang out till midnight and then head to a beach house or something. Like we may do, we may have to do the bro staff meet up at at a beach house somewhere where where people can camp close to the beach house. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be out there this year. It's like I said, last year, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> hey, here's the other thing with, with hammock camping, too, especially in the summertime. So, you know, if you go out when it's warm outside, and you're in Texas, so it's warm outside like 13 months out of the year. In a hammock, man, you're almost always cool because you got that nice little breeze blowing above and below you. Like, you, you, never, get, you never get those nasty sweats and 
You know, if you if you have to if you drink heavily and you gotta throw up that night, you know what? You just lean your face over, you throw up out your hammock, you never have to get up, and you don't have to clean that shit up out of your tent. You ever thrown up in a tent? No. Yeah, I, I haven't either, but I know people who have. And you know what the you know what happened to the tent? They got thrown away. That bitch got burnt in the fire. <laughs> because if you throw up in a tent, it's ruined. You gotta get rid of it. It doesn't work. It's done. It's, it's done. Yeah. If you throw up it, if you drink so much that you throw up in your own tent, you should be reevaluating your life choices as hey, a forty-year-old man. But but how many forty-year-old men have like eight kids, and that one night that they get to go camp, they just go buck they, wild. Yeah, look, that's that's the one night that they can drink liquor, and nobody's you know nobody's throwing stuff at them, nobody's screaming and hollering at them. It happens, man. It happens. Moderation, like. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't, throw, I've only thrown up three times drinking in my entire life and I've drank a lot. I don't throw up and you know what? I keep going. If, if somebody's awake, it'd be five o'clock in the morning. I'm still awake. Like I, I don't I'm... go to sleep. I don't get sick. I just keep going. I have no off. I have no off. It's the ADD kicks, kicks in when I'm out having a good time. Like I will, I will stay up till five o'clock in the morning. I'll go to bed at 5.15. I'm up getting my shit loaded, ready to go to the ramp and go fish. I guess I'm just getting getting sensitive and old. Well, I, no. It's, I, I just like, I like relaxing. Like, I, I'd rather. Oh, I'd love to relax. But that's not relaxing. Like, being hung over and puking and getting two hours sleep. Like, there is nothing great and relaxing about any of that. If I'm not going fishing the next day, yeah, it sucks. I don't want to have that. I'm probably going to bed around 12. Yeah, I'm going to drink about a gallon of water before I go to bed. But if I'm going up fishing the next day, there's no there's no off button. That is completely opposite of the way it should be, Paul. Like, it should be opposite. The days that you don't have anything to do the next day is the day that you drink too much and sleep in and everything else. See, not the days that you go fishing. Maybe that's maybe that could be your key to success in these tournaments is quit being hungover as you're fishing. Hey, I'm and not eat some over. food. I'm not hungover every tournament. Every now because and you're again, still it's drunk. not drunk. <laughs> Cause you're still drunk that I'm morning. I'm not Ryan Lambert. I don't do that. I don't do that all the time. Every now and again, but not all the time. I'm telling you. But when the ADHD kicks in, man, you can't control that shit. It is. It's. I mean, you know, worse. The one thing worse than ADHD is color blindness. And you got both. I I got both. I'm so color blind. I can't sight fish for shit. You'd be all right down here. I can no, put you on no. some fish. Well, yeah, you'd have to point. You'd have to throw your shit over there to them, so I could throw over there to them to catch them. You're I that colorblind. Oh, no, yeah, I can't. Like in the spawn, everybody's catching fish. The spawn period, the spawning for bass is the worst time of year I have fishing. The absolute worst. I can't see shit. Hmm. But is it? Is it? You just don't recognize the silhouettes and stuff of the fish. Maybe it's, it's not color- the. Maybe it's not yeah. the color blindness. Maybe it's just the movement. No, it's all color blind. If I see movement, then we can work with movement. So, for people that don't know, color blind don't mean that you see black and white. It means that you can't distinguish certain colors together. And there's different different levels. I'll call it. That's not the right word of color blindness. And so, my color blindness is red or red, greens, oranges, and browns. So fucking nature. Yeah, I, I can't see say. nature. 
Yeah. You can't, you can't see Roy G or Biv. No. Some other people have color blindness with blues and greens and like pinks and reds and stuff like that. That doesn't matter. Like you can't see pink and red. Oh, woo, you can see the colors of the leaves change in the fall. Well, I can't. Everybody sees all these beautiful fall leaves in the mountains of North Carolina in the fall. I'm like, yeah, looks pretty to me. Sure. If it's not that pretty, why are you all excited? Why have you taken 5,000 pictures? So it's just you can't distinguish certain colors together. And the best way I can put it, if you've ever looked at a topographic map of a forest that has conifers, so pine trees, hardwoods, and then there's different types of pine trees and different types of hardwoods. When you look at that topographic map in the summertime, they all had different shades of green. And people can pick out different patches of all these different trees. I can't. I just see fucking trees. So do they all look green though? They, they yeah, green but or brown. Like the same shade. They're all kind of the I same can, shade there's, of green. There's some little bit different shades of green, but there are people that can pick out like little clusters of a hardwood patch in a pine patch, and I can't. Now mm. if it's these huge patches, I can. Here's the other good example. And I'll bring this up. It's the first time I brought it up on this one. So anybody that are Bass and Brews listeners, go ahead and drink. When I was a wildland firefighter. God dang it. I was gonna congratulate you. On not saying that you were a wildland firefighter through an hour and 40 minutes, but now that we're at an hour and 39 minutes and 42 seconds, you did it. God damn. I, Paul, hey, you were very close. Hey, we had to bring up colorblindness, though, and this is probably the best example I can give. So when you're wildland firefighting, we use a lot of, of flagging, you know, tape, colored tape. And I had the place that I was at, we had to go away from green pink and orange we had to go away from those the only color the only color flagging that we could use was candy stripe so it had to be like a white and some kind of dark white and red white and black white and yellow even white and yellow sometimes didn't work but they would hang flagging up and i was a dozer operator so i'd have somebody out in front of me flagging kind of where i was supposed to go if that shit was like orange or green or red yeah, I, it wouldn't work. Didn't work. I couldn't see the flagging in the woods of orange, green, red. It had to be like we ended up using white and pink candy stripe flagging because everything else I could, I'd have to stop or I'd have to get out and go look. So, but can you distinguish between orange and green? Put them side by side. Yes. Okay. But. Yes. Orange and like silver. Yeah. If you put them side by side, yes, I can distinguish that. Like when you go to the doctor's office, if you have to get a CDL physical or physical, they have the different colored little tabs at the top of the doctor's office things. Uh Like they, that part of your physical is what color is this red? What color is this green? What color is this black? What color is this white? But again, if you go back and you look at like Google earth, and you go to down here in the south where you have pine trees and oaks and poplars and gum trees and all these different kinds of trees in there. Like I have a hard time looking at Google Earth and seeing stuff like that. Or if you're looking at Google Earth and you're looking at shit in the water, like I miss a lot of those brush piles in the water looking at Google Earth because they just don't they don't work right. They all look the same. 
But you should be able to be able to see redfish because redfish are kind of an orange color up against like a green backdrop or clear water. Drew, you, know, you haven't listened to a backdrop. damn thing I just said. I just said I I'm did. red, orange, green, brown, colorblind. So a redfish yes. up against a green background, I can't see. Now, if the water's clear, that's different. I can see a little that's bit. That's what I'm better. saying. The water, the water's going to be clear. You're going to be able to hey, see if, the color. If the silhouette's right, if it's a dark colored thing in the water, if the sun writes, the silhouette's right, yeah, I could see it in clear water. But, but I have been fishing with my buddy on a bass boat. And he's over there, look at that fish, look at that fish, look at that fish. I'm like, fucking throw at it. <laughs> throw at it. Let me see. And he throw over there, and I throw right there at it, too. So, I mean, like, it's 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 hard to explain. Unless you're colorblind, you don't understand uh, how shitty it is, especially fishing. We're gonna, now, you got to understand, too, we don't, have, we don't have a lot of clear water down here either where I'm fishing at, right? Where our, our water clarity, you know, average water clarity is probably 16 inches on a good day. Oh yeah, that's clear here. Like that's really clear. Yeah, for the so marsh. I wouldn't see. I wouldn't <laughs> see a damn thing in the marsh. Nah, we could get you on some fish. We're gonna get you on some fish. You're gonna bring the wife down here. Uh, y'all are gonna hang out at the beach with her, and me and you are gonna go fishing. Hey, we're one gonna, day we're I'm gonna, gonna, gonna figure it out. I'm gonna bring my hammocks. We're gonna hammock camp. We're gonna we're gonna drink you until can five put o'clock your, in the morning. You can I'm put your bring, hammock on the porch of my beach house, bro. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring six twelve packs of white claw surge. We're gonna drink white claw white claw surge until an hour before we have to go fishing. We're gonna take a little nap. We're gonna wake up. We're gonna drink some water, a little bit of coffee. You know, then we're gonna go fish for twelve hours. Then we're gonna come home. We're gonna eat crawfish, and uh, maybe maybe we'll catch you know some redfish. We're gonna eat those. We're gonna catch uh, some alligator. We're gonna eat alligator. And we're probably going to catch, uh, you know, a stingray. We're going to we're going to stamp out some scallops out of the stingray. Um, yeah, we're going to have a good time. All right, I think I'm going to invite Alex. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't like that. I didn't I didn't like any of that. None of that. You're trying to kill me again. I'm allergic to crawfish, so you're trying Alex to kill me. Alex can't cook, so good luck. You're going to eat hot dogs and. Hey, I can cook. That's fine. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll do the cooking. That's so fine we ain't going to put we ain't going to put no lemons and redfish butts. No, no lemons and redfish butts for for me. I'll throw lemon on there every once in a while, but I'm I like I like throwing them on the grill. Hey, I'm more think, of a garlic. I'm more of a savory yeah. oh, flavoring yeah. than than citrus. I like savory more than anything. I, else. I think citrus is the most overused flavoring for fish that you could ever have. Like I want my fucking fish to taste like a fish. I don't want to taste like I just drank, you know, orange aid, orange lemonade from your kid's lemonade stand. Well, if you're interested on why citrus works with fish, go back and look. listen to my episode with The Chef where we talked about why citrus works with fish. But go back and check that out. Paul, man, anything before we get out of here? We're going on two hours now. Anything you want to talk about? Anything you got going on with Bass and Brews or anything with you going on personal that you want to talk about? Yeah, so it all started in 1981. All right. Are you re- Do we have time for a long story? Sure. Okay, hold on. Let me grab a beer. Hold on. So he says he's going to start a long story, and now he's going to get up and he's going to run off and just leave us sitting here for a while. Okay, he's back now. He's go- He's got his white claw surge. All right, for those that are watching, when I said it started in 1981 and then I said I had to go grab me a beer, 
I, Drew's ready to get off this, and I can tell the look on his face. Let me tell you something. Um, his 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 soul left his body when I got up to go get my beer. Well, I I just say that because Saltside Jess has to do the commercial for this episode here in a minute, and if I don't get off of here by nine fifteen, she's not going to do it, and I'm not going to well, have a commercial. We a hundred percent know that if you don't give Saltside Jeff Jess the time she needs to do what she needs mm-hmm. to do, she will not do it, and you cannot exactly. do anything about it. Exactly. <laughs> no, so it started in nineteen eighty one. I'm just kidding. Bass and Brews. Uh, you know, we put out an episode, comes out since Alex is back on time every Friday at 5 a.m. We we are your weekly distraction from high-quality podcast content. Alex, uh, earlier this year, put out that we were going to have a fishing podcast that we hardly ever talked about fishing, and we've done a pretty damn good job of that this year. We have we are guest-driven. If I think most of the people that are probably listening to this have heard of Bass and Brews and at least listen to it once, but we're guest driven podcasts. So we always have guests on. They're usually geared towards some kind of content creator, social media, Instagram. Now the ready threads. If you're not on threads, you're missing out. Unless you don't like uh, being able to spell or write correct grammar. But anyway, we have on guests. It's a good time. We do a lot of stuff uh, with fishing guests. But it's really about the guests and their journey and stories that they have, especially here recently. It's been a lot of guest-driven stories about whatever the hell comes up. So it's not safe for work. Paul, right, do Drew? I need to get on threads? Do I need to get on threads? Um, Man, did, were you ever on Twitter? Not, not with the show, but, I mean, I was on Twitter. So I was a menace. I was, I was, um, I was a problem on Twitter. Like, I, I tweeted a lot because I have a lot of shit to say that doesn't make sense. And it's hard to put that across on something like TikTok or something. But in when when you can type it out, it's really good. And uh, so mm-hmm. I would say that the best thing about Twitter, honestly, was sports and news. Breaking sports news and breaking news. That was probably one of the best things. And then during football season, we had a bunch of group of guys who watch football, college, and NFL. And so there was a lot of that. Threads is not that yet, but it probably will be. I don't know if you need to get on there. Hell, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I haven't hugged you yet, so I'm not sure what your likability is on that. It's fun. I enjoy it, but I was also a, uh, a Twitter problem. It's good. I don't know. Y'all should try it out. It's different. Okay. But in Fair general, enough. in general, so, Twitter was sorry, great. I, because, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you good. Twitter was great because it was the breaking news. Like you got shit on Twitter before it ever hit any news station, before it hit Facebook, before it hit anything. It was just great. So threads might be that. I don't know. I don't know why we're talking about threads. It, try it out. That's all I got to say. Like anything else, give it a week. Yeah, so, so what else is Bass going and on? Bruce, yeah, Bass and Bruce, go look it out. Uh, what I got going on, personally, not much, man. You know, I just try to do a little bit of fishing. I do. I'm wearing my Y'all Look hat. I just, I'm picking up the rest of them. I got a couple uh, teasers this past week. So I've got, these are all patch hats uh, from a local company here. So I've got some patches. I might, I don't know yet. I might have some hats for sale and I might have some patches for sale coming up i don't know we'll next two or three weeks we'll do that outside of that man no it's i look 
anytime I get a chance to come on the podcast, sit behind this microphone and run my mouth like a big old, big old fat job of the hut, I'm down for it. I love talking, especially love talking to you, man. It's always been great, you know, since we've kind of started going back and forth with each other. Y'all had me on your podcast a lot, long time ago. It, it's been great to have this friendship. So, you know, I'm, I'm always down to come on and podcast and shoot the shit with you. And that's about it, man. You're just you know, trying to you're, trying to have a good time. You're always down until you cancel. Mm. You're, you're mm. always down until you're not. Look, that's the thing, man. You know, that's I haven't been fishing because I got my business, and last year my business was growing, so I had a shitload of time. And then this I, year it grew, and shit got hectic, man. You know, I bought. I'm trying to hire somebody, and all that shit got hectic. I had to cancel, but the only reason I canceled is because I knew. Even though Alex isn't as good as I am, I knew that he would be able to have a good time. And I'm telling you, y'all did good, man. I mean, if Alex ever does really fire me, threatens it at least five times an episode, if he ever fires me, I'm pretty sure you're his first call. Well, he, uh, uh, oh, you bro- are you there? You broke up I'm for here. a second. No, you're good now. Um, I was gonna say, I, I think, I think that um, you being on this show today is the most you've been on your show or anybody else's show in the past month that has come out because you weren't on the you weren't on the past two Bass and Brews, were you? No, I or was missed, it just the I one? Missed, just the one? It was just the one, just the one. And again, you know, it was work shit came up, just the one. But you know, I love it. I love it. Look, what I, days? I, what days the Bass and Brew come out? Fridays, 5 a.m. When Alex was gone, it was just me. That shit might come out Friday at 2 p.m. But with him, he has that shit set up. It comes out Friday, 5 a.m. on the dot. He's got it together. Who do you guys have on this week? Give me, give me the scoop. All right, so the podcast that drops this Friday is Tiny Two Poles. Oh, you got Tiny Two Poles back Tiny on. Tiny Two Poles is back on, which drops this coming Friday. Tiny is a repeat offender, so that means it's a very different podcast from the first time. Our first guest on the podcast, you know, it's, it's us getting to know each other and shit like that. And uh, when you're a repeat offender, it is it turns into, um, you know, I'm not sure what it turns into, but it's something different. And Tiny, Tiny Two Poles was one of my favorite ones. Well, this one is going to be another one. I, I honestly don't even think we even talked about fishing. Oh, y'all tried time. to out-country each other the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> y'all were talking about hoghead cheese and uh, all kinds of... I was like, oh, that is the nasty <laughs> country stuff right the there. The episode that, that just dropped this Friday, it kind of sucks. We lost the first 15 minutes. We don't even know what happened. We were recording, but that was with Chris Cruz, and Chris is big on TikTok. Uh, older guy, we called him, you know, he's the senior citizen. He's the oldest person I think we've had on Bass and Brews. So that was this past Friday. Great episode. Dude's funny as hell. Puts out great content. He's a Louisiana, Southwest Louisiana guy. Man, you know what? He told me to hit him back during hunting season. I'm going to have to hit him back up because I was trying to get him on the show about two months ago. And he said, hit him back up during hunting season when there's, or at the end of uh, September when a cold front comes through, before hunting season and after fishing. Well, look, he's in Louisiana. There's no off-season fishing. But we were his first podcast. He did a good job. He even had to ask Alex uh, when Alex invited him on. So, yes, he's like, 
how do I do this? What do I do? I'm old. Help me out. <laughs> well, now I'm gonna have to hit him back up because I, yeah, I really, I really like his content. The uh, the barbecue ones are funny, and he he likes to talk crap yeah. about the saltwater fishermen and the Cinco <laughs> guys. And look, or, the the ones the ordering in the drive through those are some of my favorites. Yeah, y'all look. He he does not discriminate against talking shit about any angler. He's he's all in for it. And oh, yeah. uh, this this week we're recording this week, which will drop next Friday. Is A Train? He's been on. He's a repeat offender. I have no idea where that one's gonna go because he's 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 a big wild card. That's awesome, man. Well, I you know I listen. I listen every week. I send you messages talking about everything. I send Alex messages. I'm a big fan of the show. And I was joking a little bit earlier, but congratulations coming on with, with Pure Fishing and the Select mm. Angler. You and Alex got on with them. That'll be a, a great opportunity for you guys to check out everything that Pure Fishing has to offer. Pin Abu Garcia. Like, if you if you need any tips about any of the reels or anything, you know, I've been using my my Abu Garcias and my pins a whole lot lately, and I'm not joking. I'm gonna try to get you in a real sportswear crop top. It's gonna happen. Hey man, uh, you it, look. I'm not buying nothing, but if y'all send it to me, I promise I'll wear it. All right, bro, staff. And let's I, yeah. let's get some money going. <laughs> if 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 I can get three people to get on Patreon and give five bucks, I will go buy go to Target and buy him a fifteen dollar bikini for him to wear, and we'll make it striped so he can see it. about that look i'll wear it i appreciate you you know appreciate you getting us on with uh pure fishing that was great the first thing i did was um you know where my dad fishes he he's not really big angler but i've gone fishing with him a few times here in the last few years and uh we we go out there and catch bass and crappy and brim off a little pyraminas on a court and so the first thing i did once we got on and i think i texted you that morning i think it was saturday morning I texted you. I said, hey, man, I got my shit. And I went on there and ordered like $150 of shit for my dad. There you go. Get, you, <laughs> get, get some power minutes. Break, yeah, break, break, break it in. And I'm glad we're doing it. Appreciate you thinking about us, man. And like your podcast, too. I was telling you this before we got started. For the folks that don't know, I, I started listening to podcasts in like November, December of 2020. And I didn't start on Bass and Brews until like August of 21. I was a guest in July and then August 2021 is when Alex brought me on. So paddle and fin is mainly a saltwater fishing podcast. There's no reason I should be listening to it because I don't saltwater fish. Paddler's playbook. I mean, damn, I fucked that up. Paddler's playbook. Almost two hours in. See, see, it was, it was the last white claw surge. I've only taken two. (laughs) It was that last beer, Mm -hmm. but paddler's playbook. Now I was telling you, is one of the first podcasts that I came across when I was searching. I started listening to y'all and a lot of my persona and like being free and open and just talking and saying whatever the hell comes to my mind came from listening to Paddler's Playbook because it was conversation. It is conversation driven. It's laid back shit. And I love it, man. It was, you know, it was a big in the way that I act. And this is who I am, but get behind a camera and behind a microphone and being like this, you know, it's, being able to be this open paddler's playbook had a lot to do with that. So, you know, keep doing your shit, man, because I love it too. It's a good time. And there's no reason I should be listening to it. I don't saltwater fish, but I listen to every episode and don't care what the hell you're talking about. Cause it's a good ass time. Well, when you come down here, you'll be able to catch some fish cause you've listened to the show. <laughs> so hopefully we can get you on some fish. 
Hey, right. I've got three popping courts. I got three popping courts over here. Don't know what to do with them. Just got, I, I got them over there. I have no, they are not out the pack. I have no idea how to tie them on. I know I need a gulp shrimp to put on the back of them. But besides, I have everything. I have no idea even how to tie them on. <laughs> well, you got to have a special rod for it. So, well, I uh, believe me, I'm sure one of my 13 rods I have could specialize in a popping cork. Oh, no, you don't have a popping cork rod, though. You got to get <laughs> that way. You don't have to tie anything else on. I, hey, here's here's how we do it. You you set me up, get me a good Abu Garcia or a pin reel, and then you build me a popping cork rod, and I'll have my popping cork set up. Look, I'm down. I got one sitting in front of me, the jalapeno popper, baby. We'll get you on it soon. But all right, guys, we're gonna get out of here. Till next week. Peace. Hello.